0: This is Mark Schaefer, the lead author of the most amazing marketing book ever, and you are listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And
1: now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others, as one of the top marketing podcasts. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection info with a message that you're a listener, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. All right, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome back Mark Schaefer to talk about the book he has co-authored with 35 other authors, the most amazing marketing book ever. Mark Schaefer is an internationally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consultant, author and all-around nice guy. Mark has worked in global sales, PR, and marketing positions for over 30 years and now provides consulting services, marketing strategies, and marketing workshops with his firm, Schaefer Marketing Solutions. He is the best-selling author of 10 books, is the host of the Marketing Companion podcast, and his blog is one of the top marketing blogs in the world. Mark has shared his insights on television and radio networks and in periodicals including the wall street journal wired the new york times cnn national public radio cnbc the bbc and cbs news he is a regular contributing columnist to the harvard business review
0: hello harvard yo
1: and interesting fact mark schaefer is the king of of the Marketing Book Podcast, and this interview marks his ninth book interview on the show more than any other author. I am your king. Your Highness, congratulations on the most amazing marketing book ever, and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Well, thank you. As I have this honor, I would like to make one opening statement to the Marketing Book Podcast listeners. You are about to have some fun, We're, uh, you know, as Doug's style, we're going to have some jokes. We're going to have some little audio clips. You're going to learn a lot. But I want to say something being on the show more than anybody else. And that is, there is nobody that puts more care, more effort, more intellectual power into their podcast than Douglas Burnett. And I just want you to know and appreciate all the work that goes on behind the scenes I can see it because I've been on the show but I just want to give you a round of applause Doug sweet for, for what you've built and on behalf of your fans and your guests and all your wonderful audience I just want to thank you because you you just put so much effort into this and I just want to let you know I appreciate it are you guys having a killer time
1: Mark Schaefer, thank you so much. That means so much to me. And you have been a longtime supporter of the Marketing Book Podcast. You're one of the very first authors I interviewed. I get so excited when I'm able to interview you, and you are very popular uh, with the listeners. But you know what? I do this podcast because it's so much fun for me, and I love learning. And I just uh, admire folks like you who write these books. And you know, I get I get to talk to you. But Mark Schaefer, welcome back, friend. Where do you get these things? So speaking of Schaefer, I just have to ask, and I've never asked this. There's always new material here on the Marketing Book Podcast when I'm interviewing the king of the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Schaefer, the one beer to have when you're having more than one.
1: So, Mm. Mark Schaefer, is it true that you are heir to the Schaefer beer fortune?
0: Uh, No, but that little ad that you played was a, was a famous ad for the Schaefer beer. Uh, I believe it came out of New York or something. It was a popular beer when I was a kid. But that phrase, Schaefer, the one beer to have when you're having more than one, haunted me as a child. Because, and here's why. <laughs> Sorry to dredge I, all I, that up, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a chill went down my spine. Because when I was playing Little League... And they tried using me as a pitcher. I didn't do so well. So the other team started chanting, Schaefer, the pitcher you'll have if you're having more than one. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) They were mean to me, Doug. I know.
1: I know. We talked about that on the last interview. But look at you now. Yeah. How you like me now. Yeah. How you like me now, baby. So, yeah, that's – well, I, I'm sorry to dredge all that up, but, you know, let's go ahead and finish oh, it off.
0: Schaefer is the one be
1: the have when you're having more than once. <laughs> so, Mark Schaefer, you know, this is the most amazing marketing book ever, and that may be one of the longest titles that I've had on the show. And then I later learned that it's the acronym, which I've been using in all my files and record keeping, is T-M-A-M-B-E. Tamambe. Tamambe. (laughs) Do you know what Tamambe reminds me of?
0: Probably something from The Lion King.
1: (laughs) It reminds me of the western lowland gorilla who lived at the Cincinnati Zoo, and in 2016, when a child fell into his enclosure, Harambe was Mm. shot with a rifle to protect the child's safety. Oh, wow. Tamambe, Harambe. Mm -hmm. So... You didn't know that you had, like, a a mascot uh, for the book. But for those who are not familiar with Harambe, following the killing, he became the subject of multiple viral memes with a proliferation of over-the-top tributes to him, uh, including this one by none other than Elon Musk. Now— what is most interesting, though, is that Harambe, Harambee, I want to get this right, is a Swahili term for communal labor. Oh, and what better on. connection than the most amazing marketing book ever with over 35 authors? Is that true? I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Wow, that's amazing, yeah
0: that's what makes this book so amazing
1: well and i think the book is being very well received it's very exciting and i like to think that maybe harambe is kind of looking over you and all the authors and you know sending good good blessings your way so now mark i mentioned that you've been on the podcast more than any other author and uh, i hope that hasn't kept you from getting good consulting gigs because people might question your judgment but there are two authors that if I were you, I would be careful of. And they are they are coming for you. Do you know who they might be?
0: Yes, I do. Well, one is David Meerman Scott.
1: No, no, he's he's. Uh, well, that's right. Yeah, now, but he's he's not coming for you. He's he's very comfortable with where he is. He's the patron saint okay. of the Marketing Book Podcast. He's been on eight times. Well, and yeah. now you've been on. This is your ninth time. So that's he's right. he's fine,
0: and he likes you a lot, and he's. Well, good. I heard. I think I think it was your last show with with Rohit Barga Bargava Bargava Yeah, I'm sorry. I I actually I know I know Rohit and uh,
1: great he, guy. He sort
0: of he dissed me. He dissed me. He, he dissed me on your what? last show. I forgot and, that part. Uh, no. Yes, no, you don't forget it. You're just trying to get me to say it. No. <laughs> he said uh you, I think you said something about that I had been on the show more than him and he said, "Oh well, he's he's that he's just so much older than me."
1: Yeah, I don't I know. That kind of slipped past me because I don't know how true
0: that is. I know,
1: he, I know, he's a little bit I younger. Actually,
0: I actually looked up his
1: age. <laughs> okay, well, I,
0: I didn't do that. He's, yeah, because I was going to diss him back, but I am, alas, older than him.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so you know, I don't know. Well, Those two come to mind. Who am I missing? Well, I'll give you a hint. Well, that sounds like the maybe the theme from the Godfather, so Marlon Brando uh,
1: no, the <laughs> Godfather of content marketing. Oh, Joe Polizzi,
0: I was half right. <laughs> right I was half right.
1: So you have no idea how you have recommitted them to writing more books <laughs> and upping their writing game. You, you are you are doing things, but you're still the king and you will always be the king. Of the marketing book podcast but to those guys to, to rohit and to joe polizzi i was watching a uh documentary the other day about mark schaefer and <laughs> borat was interviewed and this is what he said about mark schaefer
0: hey he is a strong man he will crush his opponents so <laughs>
1: i was really impressed that that they got him to weigh in on mark schaefer but anyway listen let's get to the book what a book I want to read from, uh, actually, the back cover, which I don't normally do. What happens when Mark Schaefer assembles 35 of his smartest marketing friends from around the world with more than 750 years of accumulated experience and asks for their best marketing ideas? Well, it's something amazing. In fact, it's the most amazing marketing book ever. This fun and exciting book is filled with insights to inspire everyone from entrepreneurs and students to the most experienced marketing professional – the most amazing marketing book ever takes you on a ride from traditional marketing ideas like billboards and email to the metaverse and beyond. In this book, you will learn foundational principles of marketing strategy, content marketing, and social media, inside tips to propel your business through LinkedIn, email, and advertising, insights into emerging trends such as NFTs, Web3, and artificial intelligence, practical tips to help you with research, strategic communications, and measurement, and much more. Mark Schaefer, why is this the most amazing marketing book ever?
0: Because this wasn't just a book. This was a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> tell
1: us. Tell us all. Let's go behind the scenes.
0: Well, I mean, I think one of the reasons, maybe the main reason, this book is so distinctive is that there's literally never been a book like this before. And um, the the, the the germ of the book really uh, began, oh, three or four years ago. I teach a class on personal branding. And I was talking to this woman who was one of my students, and her dream was to write a book. But she was a single mom. She had, you know, a bunch of young kids. She was trying to run a business at her home, had a lot of other things going on in her life. And I thought... I'm not sure she has the resources to really write a book anytime soon. But I thought, you know, she could write a chapter of, the, of a book. Is there some way I could create a platform, use my platform as an established author to help elevate people like that to be a co-author of a book? And I put the idea aside. And um, now for the last two years, I've had this marketing community called Rise. And it's on Discord. And we've got subject matter experts in every kind of marketing all over the world. And it's a vibrant group. We're learning about the future of marketing. We do experiments in the metaverse. And we have discussions on AI. And we're creating a podcast together. And um, my friend, Daniel Nessel, said you know we have so many smart people here could we create a book and it sort of triggered this idea again i let it percolate for a while and there was so much energy so much passion around this idea that i decided to to take a risk now the reason this was unusually risky It's because other things that we're doing in the community are literally created by the community. They're they're creating the metaverse events and the AI events and all the things that we're doing. It's not really a risk to me personally in terms of my personal brand. But I thought to give this book the best chance to be accepted, to be reviewed the best chance we would have at getting the book published internationally I needed to attach my name to this and it was a risk to think that can I count on 35 other people to create something great not only write it great but then narrate it for the audiobook would they hit their deadlines would it be like herding cats would it be so stressful? <laughs> and and in the end, I decided, you know, this is a worthy goal. Um, this is an opportunity out of, the, out of the 36 authors of the book, the co-authors of the book, I think it's something like 32 had never written a book before. And it was a chance for them to be a co-author and it'll be, it'll be something that will live with them forever. And I thought, you know, that is a great legacy for me to be able to do this for the community. So I decided to take the risk. And it was quite the opposite from herding cats. The people who were involved were so committed, so passionate. And the most inspiring thing is that anytime we hit a roadblock, someone stepped up and said, I'll do it. Mm. I'll handle it.
1: That's a community
0: it was it it was just unbelievable everybody pitched in money i said look you know we're going to do this together there's publishing costs there's editing costs there's design costs so we divided it up we figured out what the estimate would be everybody pitched in money as the book sells the profits are going to be divided up equally everyone's going to benefit from it and it turned out to be absolutely remarkable it, it it just people cared so much I mean there was a lot of anxiety even sometimes tears about the worry about making this book the best it could be being worthy of being part of my personal brand so there was a, a lot of commitment a lot of passion, in some cases, a lot of agony about doing a good job. We had people step up to be editors. People stepped up to be designers. Uh, People stepped up uh, on uh, promotions. Uh, We had a fellow donate um, note cards and stickers and promotional materials. So uh, one of the people, one of the authors of the book, Frank Prendergast, designed the cover used AI to design the cover. And it's, it's a beautiful cover that, that, that really stands out. So we did, I mean, he just stepped up. He said, I think I can do this. And uh, he did a, a marvelous job. So, I mean, every time we needed help, people uh, stepped up. And people kept saying, Mark, what can we do? What can we do? We don't want this to be um, stressful for you. Um, and it, it, it was a joy. It, was, it wasn't hurting cats. Everybody hit the deadline. And, and here is perhaps the coolest comment that came out of this. I use this audio editor. And I've used her for my books for many, many years. And, and so everybody, we've got people from 10 different countries, 15 different time zones, who narrated their chapter of the book. So the, the audio book is like Forrest Gump's Box of Chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. There's an Irish accent. Then someone from Italy, someone from France, someone from America. She said, when you told me what you're doing, I thought this was a crazy idea. I've never seen a book like this. And she said, now that it's done, I just want to congratulate you. She said, not only did the authors did a fantastic do a fantastic job, Narrating it. She said, This is really a great book full of great ideas. And so it was like she was so surprised. She's been editing audiobooks for 25 years.
1: <laughs> well, that's interesting. And I wonder if we're going to start seeing more of this type of thing mm-hmm. where a community pulls together to write a book. Yeah. Now, I have to say, there have been uh, a few books over the years that have come across my desk, and they are books where Each chapter was an interview with a different person, and they haven't been very well edited. This is absolutely not that at all. This was really well edited, and you really cover a lot of ground, as I'm going to mention in all the different sections here. So, Mark, there are 350 ideas in the book, according to the cover here. So let's go through every single one, and (laughs) then— Turn this into a bonus companion piece for the audiobook, which will actually be even longer than
0: the audiobook. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do want to build on one, one thing that you mentioned about the editing, is that we had three people from our community volunteer, they're professional writers, professional editors, they volunteered to do the first cut of editing, so they each did about you know 12 chapters, but we did hire a professional editor. I mean, we weren't going to compromise in any way. We did hire a professional editor to do the final edit. We did hire a professional designer. So this is not a DIY book in any in any respect.
1: Well those first editors, Joanne Taylor, Brian Piper, and Daniel Nestle? Yes. Okay. Nestle, yeah. That's great. And then you've got all the other folks that, that contributed here. So we're not going to do that. But let me uh, just give the, the listener a sense of what's what's in here. I mean, just what was picked in such a you know concise book was was i, I kind of marveled at so the book is in five parts the first is strategy fundamentals two is content strategy three is social media four is what you call marketing standards and five is what's next and i want to start with the fifth section actually cuz you guys are always at the end <laughs> and There's also a chapter, your chapter, on uh, the magic of of, uh, personal uh, branding. But I also want to mention the other people in that fifth section. Then we'll go back and hit the others. Uh uh And when there are non-American authors, I will indicate where they are from around the world. And the reason I'm going to do that, Mark, is because there comes a time when we heed a certain call, when the world Uh must come together as one. Because we are the ones who make a brighter day, Mark. So let's start. That's a great giving. theme
0: song, actually.
1: Yeah, you got a, a mascot and a theme song. You're yeah, welcome. Because yeah, because
0: people just became very, very good friends. And one other thing I'll mention: we're actually coming together for a book launch party at my house. Oh, really? <laughs> Not at the yes. Knoxville Denny's? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got of the 36 authors. I think we have 21. Wow In, including two from Ireland and one from Australia that wow. are coming to my house just to celebrate oh. just- to, just to see each other face to face for the first time and uh yeah, so that's exciting well, that's terrific that's <laughs> it's even more amazing. I think you should
1: just turn this whole book into a Netflix show <laughs>
0: <It> <laughs> like could be a Netflix special on be. how it, it happened, be. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, the thing that I underestimated about this, Doug, is is the emotion. I mean, uh, I don't think I don't think Daniel will, will will mind me pointing him out specifically. But Daniel was an editor, but he was also an author. I mean, and Daniel is a professional communicator and 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 one of the best writers I know, and. He turned in his chapter, he said, I've never been so worried in my life. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Is Mark going to say this is okay? Is this going to get to the editors? And it was like this drama. And then I said it was great, and I approved it to the next stage. He said, my eyes are filled with tears of joy. And then we went through a whole nother drama when people were doing the narration, which is a lot harder than they thought, and a, and, a, and a few people had to, you know, they had to do it four or five times to get the narration right. Um, so it, it it was it was really a reality show.
1: <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, let me tell you what's in uh, part five. There's your chapter on personal branding, and then Brian Piper wrote about marketing in the metaverse. And I should add, Brian Piper, co-author of mm-hmm. Epic Content Marketing, mm-hmm. second edition, with uh, your buddy Joe Polizzi, and... Yuri Belast, uh, How to mm-hmm. Use Web3 NFTs and Tokens for Your Marketing. And Yuri is in Belgium, yes. which, as everyone knows, is the, where Dr. Evil is from. I didn't spend six years in Evil Medical School to be called Mr. <laughs> and then uh, Mary Catherine Johnson wrote Marketing AI. And then uh, Anna Brovington, Experiential Marketing. And she's in Bournemouth, England. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mark Masters. Yeah. Uh, I bet she knows him well. And then uh, Pepper Brooks wrote about uh, inclusive marketing, mm-hmm. uh, marketing for all. So
0: let's just... And Pepper's, Pepper's from Toronto. Oh,
1: that's right. I'm sorry. She's from Toronto. Mm-hmm. She messaged me uh, today mm-hmm. uh, to let me know that because I couldn't figure that part out.
0: Yeah, there's a- actually on my website, I've got a page for the most amazing marketing book ever. And there's actually like um, uh, a PDF with all the author profiles and it has like a little flag of the countries yes. that they're from. Yes,
1: and Pepper Brooks sent it. Pepper did that, yeah. Yeah, she sent it to me. Mm-hmm, hmm So thanks, Pepper, for doing you know what Mark should have done. Now, uh, <laughs> on page 221, you write, as many traditional marketing jobs are threatened by AI, artificial intelligence, an effective personal brand may be the only buffer we have against irrelevance. Mark, I'm seeing... <laughs> Every every day on my newsfeed, I have all these AI people talking about this or that about AI, and it's like I want to quote that, I want to I want to post that quote right there for everyone to calm down. But explain what you mean, how your personal brand can be helpful in this new era we're suddenly thrust into.
0: Well, Doug, it's it's more than helpful. It's more than helpful it's it's the it's It's essential, as far as you know, it might be the only defense we have um, you know you've seen the same studies I have um, deloitte and and McKinsey and Accenture are estimating that you know AI could take over somewhere between thirty percent and sixty percent of many marketing and and sales tasks tasks for that matter but so let me just give you a little illustration of what I mean by this. The personal brand is it might be our last defense against AI. So when Chat GPT came out, I interviewed Shelly Palmer. Shelly is a well-known tech analyst. He's been on the Today Show. Uh, he's blogged every day for like the last 15 years. And I interviewed him for my podcast. And um, he said, Mark, he said, this terrified me. He said, I, I went to chat GPT. And I said, I want you to write a blog post about the legislative uh, challenges that Facebook faces in the U.S. Congress. And I want you to write it in the voice of Shelley Palmer. He said in five seconds, it wrote this amazing blog post. I could have used it right on my blog. And he said it even did research into the specific legislation that was being considered in Congress. He said it saved me all that work and all that time. And he said, "I am 80 percent replaced. Mm. Now, what's the 20 percent? The 20 percent is there's only one Shelley. We love Shelley. We we trust him because of what he's established, his presence, his reputation, his authority." And in this world where we're not going to know what to believe, I mean, the age of misinformation is just starting. We're going to turn to people like you, people like me, people like Shelley, who have worked for many years to build our personal brand. People love us and they trust us. And I'm not afraid of AI, at least in the short to medium term. Because, it, because people will still come to me. I've even adopted a little badge I put on my blog post to assure people it says 100% human content. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I love it. And, and, and so, I mean, I'm not going to unsubscribe to Shelly's blog. I don't think people are going to unsubscribe to my blog because they know me and and you know many people i would say even love me and they trust me and a i can't replace that that's the power of the personal brand and i've been shouting this from the rooftops for at least six or seven years could you could you could see this coming that if you're not working on your personal brand please do it please start it's not too late it's the only thing we could have as our defense against AI.
1: So what are some of the things that people should be doing to uh, help establish their personal brand?
0: Well, as you know, this is a very important topic to me. It's one I've researched extensively. I wrote the best-selling book on personal branding called Known. That was a two-year research effort. And I'm very, very proud of that book because it it works. I also teach a personal branding master class you can find online. And what I found, Douglas, is that I interviewed 97 people around the world who are known in their field. Not just marketing people, but, you know, people in finance and education and and, uh, uh, real estate and construction and art and music. And they all did the same four things. Very briefly, they are, number one, you have to be very specific about where you fit in the ecosystem. What do you want to be known for? That's harder than it sounds. Number two, you need to, once you sort of have your story, you have to think about where you want to tell it. Point three, part three, is how are you going to tell it? You've got to show up. You've got to create content consistently. And number four, you need to build an actionable audience, which is much different. Than a list of customers or a list of social media connections or Twitter followers. Those are weak relational links. You need to actively build an audience that will help you make your dreams come true. So those are really the four stages. I think they've stood the test of time, and um, that's the process that, that really works.
1: Right, and explain what you mean when you write that you should not confuse social media with content.
0: That's a great, great question question i'm glad you asked it a common point of confusion and overwhelm is people think about well you know i want to i want to have an, an effective presence and reputation and, and authority in the world do i need to be on facebook or linkedin do i need to be making youtube videos i don't even know where to start it seems so overwhelming but it's not what fuels the personal brand is content. And it's not that hard. You've got basically three choices, maybe four. You can write something like a blog. You can produce something like a podcast, which you do so effectively. You can do a video series on YouTube. For most professionals, it's those three choices. There's also an option, of course, to create uh, sort of visual content that you might see on Instagram, or Pinterest, something like that. But generally speaking, you've got three choices. You've got to create original content. Now, social media is the distribution system. Once you have a blog, you can post it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Medium, Substack, Facebook. So people think that social media is really the key the personal branding. It's really the content. And then social media becomes the distribution system. It's like the, 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 the fleet of trucks taking your ideas to the marketplace.
1: Yeah, and on page 222, you write, how do you choose what kind of content to produce? Like you said, consider the competition in your audience, of course, but most important, pick the content form that brings you the most joy. If That's you're not right. having fun creating your content, your audience will sense that and leave you. So...
0: Oh, my goodness. So, and that's why you've been so, so so successful, because obviously you have fun doing this show. You bring energy and fun to every single show. And if that ever stopped, your audience would know. And right. that's the beginning of the end. So you know, you've got to create something that's fun, that brings you joy.
1: Yes. So... Let me jump back to the first section here. I'll maybe ask a, one question about each section, but I do want to mm-hmm. mention all the authors and, and the topics so that the That's listener, awesome. a listener can you. know uh, what's, what's in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first chapter is on marketing strategy from Samantha Stone. Robbie Fitzwater, Clemson marketing professor, he mm-hmm. wrote about uh, why the four Ps still matter and, and relates to the marketing mix. And then uh, the third chapter is about marketing research with Marcy Cornett and Frank Pendergast. And they are in Ireland, although I believe she's an American, right?
0: She is an American that lives in
1: Cork, Ireland with Frank. There we go. And then uh, consumer behavior, Scott Murray, and uh, building a, an exceptional brand with David Bisek. And then uh, moving customer experience to the digital front with Lisa Apolinsky. And then uh, Meaningful Marketing Measurement with uh, Bruce Shear. So I want to jump to the chapter on marketing research. It's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, so much of it, it's almost like I could have spun the Wheel of Fortune wheel (laughs) to figure out, you know, one question from each section. But I wanted to go to this section on marketing research because I see a lot of problems companies have with it. And he, they write uh, about, I want to quote this one thing about how to get insights from customers with one question. They write, here is a simple survey every small business should put in place. After a visitor opts into any offer on your website, direct them to a thank you page that contains this one question survey. What was going on in your life that brought you to you know, like join my newsletter, book a demo, or to the solution today? Uh, they write, copy hacker, copy hacker's founder, Joanna Weeb says the answers to this question will reveal priceless customer insights, such as what problems they are trying to solve, what motivating forces are driving them, and what obstacles are keeping them from achieving their goals. And they go on to write about how <laughs> interviews can help you gain deeper understanding. And they write that even as few as three interviews can unearth marketing goals. Mark, what, in your experience, is keeping more if not most organizations from getting even the the most basic insights from their customers
0: uh, first of all, I'm so happy you highlighted that example and this the simple nugget there of just asking that one question is a great example of the the very helpful and unique insights that are that are in this book. Um, look, this is going to sound weird, but I think there's this sort of like arrogance that's out in the world today. And I'll, I'll give you my favorite example of marketing arrogance. Google Glass. Now, Google is a beloved company, well, for most people or some people, and... Uh, back at least when they introduced Google Glass. They were a very trusted company. And they introduced this product. They charged $1,500 for Google Glass, and they created this group of beta testers. I think they called them like the pioneers or the explorers. Do you remember that? Yeah,
1: they were also called uh, glassholes. Glassholes, holes,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I didn't want to talk to now,
1: anybody wearing them because it was like creeping me out.
0: Yeah. So, as everybody knows, Google Glass crashed and burned very, very quickly. Within six months of the product introduction, they 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 took they took the market uh, the product off the market, and you had all these people who were their best fans who had spent fifteen hundred dollars on these glasses. And they were betrayed, essentially. And what, what upsets me the most, Doug, is that every problem with that product could have been discovered in, a, in 48 hours of market research. I actually got to go to Google's research laboratory. I was doing a project for the U.S. Air Force, and I was helping the Air Force consider the use of virtual reality, uh, integrating this into their operations. Uh, think about jet maintenance. If you had a pair of glasses over your head and you didn't have to refer to a computer or some handbook, you could you could much more quickly, effectively, and safely do repairs on these jets. So we were looking at all these options. I got to go to their research lab. I got to talk to the people who were developing Google Glass. And here's what they told me. We just didn't do the market research. We just, we were developers, we're engineers, we're not marketers. I mean, the, 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 the glasses got too hot on your head. You couldn't wear them more than 15 minutes without burning your scalp.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that.
0: I mean, there were problems with the battery. There were problems with connectivity. There were problems with security. I mean, every single problem could, uh, you, you know, put these glasses on 100 people's heads for a couple of days. So either they didn't do the research or they ignored the research. But in any event, it was Arrogance. And I've seen this over and over again, where the marketer thinks they're the market, mm-hmm. and they they either don't do the research or they ignore the research, and that's really the point of this chapter written by Frank and Marcy to look. you, you can't you can't skip that step, and it's not that hard. It can be as simple as a survey question or just getting out there and talking to a few customers.
1: Oh, yes. That's where they say as few as three interviews can Mm -hmm. unearth marketing gold. And there was another part on here. Absolutely. That's true. Another great tip was research non-buyers for a balanced perspective. If you focus Mm -hmm. exclusively on existing customers, your data will be skewed. Survey or interview non-buyers as well. Answers to why didn't you buy our offer will uncover obstacles and anxieties that prevented purchases. And I can remember in uh, Adele Ravella's book, Buyer Personas, mm-hmm. and in other things she's written and talked about how one of the best buyer persona interviews you can do, the very best, is to interview somebody who considered your company but then went elsewhere. If you can get that interview, and we, we've done it. <laughs> it, was, it was always uh, just unbelievably uh, revelatory. So yeah. let's jump to uh, part two content strategy. And let me mention who the contributors are here. Very impressive. So you've got uh, content marketing strategy with uh, Karen Abou, and she's from France, mm-hmm. uh, and she's a lawyer. Mm hmm. And she's a marketing book podcast listener. Ah, mm-hmm. The next one is about uh, blogging and SEO by Victoria Bennion from Weymouth, England. Mm-hmm. And then Marion Abrams and Chad Perisman wrote about the power of podcasting, where I learned all the things I'm doing wrong. No, I'm kidding. It was a really, <laughs> really good chapter. And then uh, Laura Doman, who I believe at one point she was an actress, yeah. leveraging your videos and YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ian Anderson Gray from Manchester, England, the extraordinary power of live streaming. And then uh, Al Boyle and Giuseppe Fratoni wrote, uh, "Create a powerful marketing message to grab your ideal client's attention." And because Giuseppe is actually in Rome, mm-hmm. I noticed that every uh, page uh, number in that. <laughs> Chapter was with Roman numerals. Oh, so, I wish
0: I would have thought of that. That would have been funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to watch those Romans, you know. Yeah. But let me ask you. Let's go to that chapter, and let me ask you about that. I uh, again, it was sort of like uh, the one we just talked about. Let's see, that's page ninety-seven. For those playing the home game, <laughs> they write. <laughs> I just got to read. I've just got to read this. This is all about messaging. I mean, you know, here we are talking about some of the basics. There's like the the market research, this is about messaging. And they wrote on page 98, it's all about your customer. Marketing is all about effective communication with your customers, so it's critical to lead with their interests. When your ideal customer consumes your marketing message, they're wondering what's in it for them. They want to solve the problem that's keeping them up at night, and you must earn their trust and help them understand how your offering Can help them solve it. To accomplish that, you must know them, and not how you know your neighbor, but how you know an old friend. This goes far beyond their age, location, gender, education, and socioeconomic status. Delve into their worldviews, values, beliefs, and the causes they support. Know your prospects so well. You can manifest them, and your message will write itself.
0: Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you
1: dig it? And they write, uh, this is another just, it's just solid gold. Use their words to describe their problem. How many times do we see companies using their own terminology, and right off the bat, it's like, well, they don't even get me. They They don't understand me. Anyway, there, I wanted to ask well, about the, the next page. Hang on, was, this is this came up in uh, some of your books. I know Marketing Rebellion. They write <laughs> nobody is more effective at speaking for you than your customers, and you've written about how your customers are your marketing. Mm-hmm. Talk about. Well, that.
0: I might have I might have had a little influence on some of these chapters. <laughs>
1: but it's so uh, true it's so true your customers are your marketing and I I, right. I, I think that's not widely understood maybe people well, beyond so, the listeners of this show
0: yeah. so two points you know you, you talked about their, their the first point they made about you know your, co- your copy your message has to be about your customers and your customers problems and I do a lot of coaching a lot of business coaching and, and 90% of the time the message on the website is all about them it's all about how great they are how many awards they've won and it's the first thing i start with i say nobody cares what i want to see when i come to your website is what is the problem you solve and how do you uniquely solve it start there so i'm glad you 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 mentioned that you know and it and that sort of builds on this the second idea that The customer is the marketer because we live in this world of misinformation now and we live in this world of hype and whenever you go out there and say we're the best ever um people are going to say they're going to roll their eyes and they're going to say yeah that's what we what, what we thought you'd say but uh and and you know, uh, uh, many of your listeners will be familiar with the, the Edelman Trust Barometer. Mm-hmm. This is research that's done by Edelman every year. I think they do it, uh, I don't know, maybe 25 different countries. It's really wonderful research. And for 15 years in a row, trust in businesses, brands, and advertising has declined. Who do people trust? We trust each other, we trust our friends, we trust our neighbors. We trust our family. And by the way, we also trust business executives. Uh, I was just looking at this, I, I was working on a project in in India. And business executives in India are the are the most trusted source of information. They trust, people trust founders, technical experts. And so when other people are telling the story, when your customers are telling the story, if they're creating um, you know, user-generated content, if they're posting about you on social media, if they're talking about you with their friends, if they're leaving reviews and testimonies, that is better than any ad, any marketing messaging you could do on your own. So how do we, we create a message, an idea, a story it's so compelling, so unmissable, that our customers can't wait to talk about it. That is the marketing mindset we need to think about today.
1: Amen. Oh, So well said. And again, uh, this isn't being fair because we're just pulling out a few things from each section. But let's go over to section three here. And I want to give folks a sense of what's in there. So Kami Heiss wrote uh, How to Build a Future-Proof Social Media Strategy. And then Mandy Edwards wrote about Facebook, and Richard Bliss wrote about hacking the LinkedIn algorithm, Joanne Taylor catching cultural waves on TikTok, and Valentina Escobar Gonzalez becoming memorable and intentional on Instagram, and then uh, Julia Bramble, who is in—oh, let me back up—Joanne Taylor, she lives in Sri Lanka— Check that box there. I believe she's British, but she lives in Sri Lanka right now. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then Julia Bramble lives in East Devon, England. Uh, She wrote 10 Easy Steps to 10x Your Impact on Twitter. And Jules Morris, Be a Digital Advertising Hero, all about digital advertising. So, as I said, this isn't fair, and I want to go to Chapter 16 about hacking the LinkedIn algorithm by Richard Blisk and ask Mm -hmm. a couple of questions because... Mm -hmm. It's a great chapter, as all of these are. But also, Richard Bliss was an artillery officer like myself at one point. I know, very mm-hmm. unfair. But you know, I gotta, I gotta look out for my peeps. Mm-hmm. So we go to page. Uh, his chapter's on one twenty-one, and he's got some really specific things. Uh, but he talks about uh, timing matters. You know, you, the golden yep. hour for success is like in mm-hmm. the first sixty to ninety minutes. Yep. And if you, what happens if you include a link in your post? It's death. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what do they call it? The um, visibility uh, it just plummets. They, yes. They're like any social media platform. They don't want people, you know, they don't want you posting links and pulling people away from that walled garden.
0: Well, we were very fortunate to not just have Richard Bliss as an author of the book. He was also one of the featured presenters at my uh, uprising marketing retreat, and here's what happened. He, st- he 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 did his presentation, and there there were so many questions, and he had so much more to give that he said, "Look, we are we're, we're going to schedule another session online for another hour." That's how good he is. Uh, it was and all about how, LinkedIn. All about LinkedIn. Oh wow! And and the ideas in this book, I think they're. They're really fresh and insightful. Now, Richard has done a lot in his career, but he's become a bit of a LinkedIn scientist. And his recommendations are based on a lot of uh, research, data coming from LinkedIn, data coming from other sources. And I think the two big takeaways for me is this golden hour that you talk Uh about, that if you want to really get traction on uh, on your post they're looking for the engagement in the first hour so if you present something very important on LinkedIn like you really care about this you want this to go you need to reach out to some people and encourage them to have meaningful engagement in the first hour they wanna see are you creating a conversation Likes don't matter. Mm-hmm. Shares don't matter, which is a bit shocking to me. What they're looking for is they they present your post to ten percent of your audience as a test. Will your audience respond to this? If they respond, then they expand the window. If you get more response, they expand the window again and send your post into open waters beyond your audience. Really big idea. The second idea that I saw work for myself in real life this week is LinkedIn is watching you how you comment on other people's posts. And this is is helping your credibility within LinkedIn your visibility within LinkedIn and it's also the number one way to grow your connections on LinkedIn now I sort of saw this by accident this week Um, I do pretty well on LinkedIn my content you know tends to do very well and once in a while I actually get a request from LinkedIn to comment on a post so LinkedIn features somebody and they do this content about somebody and um, so they did this post about how to keep working while you're suffering if you're experiencing something so I said okay what the heck so I commented on this post about how I've had to be in situations where you're suffering before we push the record button today. You and I were talking about my mother recently died. Mm-hmm. How do you keep working? Well, most of my work is in one hour segments. A Zoom call, a meeting, a discussion. So you, you create this mental mindset of, I need to get through this hour. What happens after that, who knows? But let's just create this 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 bubble of mental toughness for one hour and get get through this one hour as a goal now when I comment on that that comment gets sent to the feed the the content stream of all my followers and everyone else that's seeing this post my 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 um, followers on LinkedIn they're just not seeing my content they're seeing my comments Yes. And when you create a meaningful comment, this gets sent into people's streams. And pe- a lot of people don't think about that. Richard recommends like maybe doing three comments a day as a way to elevate your presence, your effecten- effectiveness, and your audience on LinkedIn. So Link- Richard did a wonderful job with this chapter. And I can almost guarantee... You're going to see some tips in this chapter you've never seen before.
1: Yes. Well, let me just uh, put a pin in that part about the comment strategy. I thought this was great. Develop a comment strategy. Here's the biggest surprise when it comes to increasing your reach on LinkedIn. Instead of focusing exclusively on posting your own original content consistently deliver killer comments on other people's conversations. By leaving lengthy, insightful, and valuable comments, you're raising your value on the LinkedIn radar. Even two or three meaningful comments a day can double or triple the number of your profile views in a single week. Do you know what surprised me the most in this chapter where he explains that video is not the star of LinkedIn?
0: Nope. I know. It seems counterintuitive, but he's got the research to back it up
1: yeah the most successful type of content for reach and engagement is a text only post or a text post with a single original
0: image and again it gets back to but this don't idea. use ugly
1: stock images people
0: <laughs> no it gets back to this idea of creating conversations and what richard says is that when people watch a video it doesn't create a conversation people don't They don't tend to leave lengthy comments about a video. They leave lengthy comments about some idea, observation, or question that's in part of a text post. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, let's go to uh, the last uh, thing I want to talk about, which is part four, which -hmm. you call marketing standards. Explain what is meant by the term marketing standards. Not everybody may understand that. Like the basics.
0: Yeah, well we've got this you know this book that's it's pretty broad and I thought well you know let's group it in the book into sections that that make sense. So we had literally some of the world experts on things like email marketing, direct mail marketing. Things that we might think, oh that's kind of old-fashioned, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, email marketing is more important than ever. Yeah. Creating and nurturing that email list is is gonna be gold for every business. And so I think these these are standards. It's not necessarily revolutionary ideas compared to some of the other things we have in the book, but it's 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 like the foundational ideas, the marketing standards. Right. And that's what's that's what's in this chapter.
1: Overlooked, but also big, big opportunities. Let me mention yeah. who's in here. Jeff Turan wrote Building Your Business with Direct Mail. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, not to keep talking about uh, Joe Polizzi, who – did I mention he's coming for you? He is (laughs) always talking about how there's never been a better time for direct mail if used Mm. in the right instance. Um, And then uh, Robbie Fitzwater, who seems to be the only uh, person that wrote two chapters here. Mm -hmm. Magnificent Email Marketing. I'm going to go back to that. And then Search Engine Optimization, Larry Aronson. Uh, again mm-hmm. in that chapter he talks about the importance of answering questions. This is not about tinkering with your website like people did 15 20 years ago. It's if you're talking to an SEO firm and they're not talking to you about producing content for customers, uh, go on to the next one. I'm sorry, let me get exactly. off my Let me get off my soapbox there. Exactly. And then uh, Rob Lelachure, is that how mm-hmm. you pronounce his name? Rob Lelachure. Yes. He's in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Go Oilers. And his chapter is on walking with dinosaurs, newspapers, billboards and radio. Mark Schaefer, did you know that those things still exist?
0: <laughs> you know, I got to say, Rob blows it away in this chapter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he yeah. has some
0: very very clever ideas to say, it, you know, look, there's a there's a lot there's still a lot of audiences there and these these are They're they're dinosaurs that are losing share, and they're ready to make a deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I loved his approach in that chapter.
1: Yeah, and and television's also a great way to continue to build brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then uh, promotional products, Sandy Rodriguez. And then Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Nessel, strategic communications and uh, Mm -hmm. about building trust. Very important uh, topic I really like. And then Zach Mm -hmm. Siepert. The Secret Power of Word of Mouth Marketing. Great chapter. Great chapter. Back to the idea of your customers being your uh, marketing. And then Fiona Mm -hmm. Lucas in Australia wrote about community, which uh, I seem to recall Mm -hmm. another book on the show earlier this year.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: Building the Brand. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love that. Oh,
1: Belonging to the Brand. I'm sorry. There's so many books. Belonging to the
0: Brand. Yeah. Well, my let, community is the last great marketing strategy.
1: Yes, and I will include a link to that, uh, that interview. So I want to jump to Robbie Fitzwater's email marketing, and not just because mm. he invited me to speak to uh, his MBA class at Clemson a couple times. And not to brag, but uh, after I did it, he sent me two uh, Clemson University <laughs> cocktail glasses. Oh, cool. And for a brief moment, my kids thought I was kind of cool. But, but that faded very, very quickly. <laughs> But I want to jump to his chapter on email marketing, and not just because I recently had an interview with uh, Chad S. White about his phenomenal book, Email Marketing Rules, but Mm. because I think that uh, Robbie's chapter was one of the funniest. And I know funny. I'm a clownfish. So on page 167, he writes... Now, keep in mind, this is a Clemson professor who sent me cocktail glasses. He writes, like drinking in high school... Everyone is doing it, but very few people know what they are doing. <laughs> that's just, that's comedy gold, Robbie. And then he goes on to write, Email marketing is like the person your parents wanted you to date in high school. What, what does he mean by that, Mark Schaefer?
0: <laughs> uh, you're, you're hitting a deep chord with me there. <laughs> uh and here okay let's just get it out there i mean there was more than one uh girl in high school and college that told me you know mark you're the kind of guy i want to marry someday but i just don't want to date you right now (laughs) you know email marketing is is solid it's trustworthy Maybe maybe you know it's a little bland. It's not it's not the cool kid. It's not web3, it's not ai. But this is the this is the this is the technique you want to bring home to dinner. <laughs>
1: yeah, he writes email doesn't ride a motorcycle or wear a leather jacket. So it may not get the attention it deserves.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you've got to I mean you've you've got to have it. I mean at, at least Now, I mean, one of the things I've been uh, thinking a lot about is um, I've had the opportunity to engage with a lot of Gen Zers recently in in MBA classes, and um, they just don't do email. I mean, they, they just don't. And it makes me think about, well, look, what happens when you get into the world and you get something from your insurance company via email or you get something from your employer via email or you get something from you know, the government via email? I mean, you're just going to have to get in the email, right? right. Uh, but it's there, like there, there, talking there. to young people,
1: uh, it, explaining to them that you can actually use that uh, smart device to talk to somebody in real time. On It's, it's called a, a telephone. Yeah.
0: Right. So, I mean, a little thing inside me wonders about, are are they going to be able to avoid email forever? But, but yeah, but I mean, you've got to have it. I mean, just talking about me and my own business, Douglas, um, I realized I did some introspection about a year ago about what was working and not working in my business. And I learned I've become lazy I've ignored some blocking and tackling around my my blog, my newsletter, my email list, and 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 Robbie actually is helping me uh, sort of rediscover some of these techniques to automate some things that should have been automated, and so I'm I'm doubling down and tripling down on email as my as my marketing strategy because. These are the people who are going to buy things from me. It's, it's a lot easier to connect with these people who want to be connected to me, who have opted into me, and this email list, than try to sell something to strangers through through advertising.
1: You know, it's funny you say that, because when I was reading Chapter 10, The Power of Podcasting by Marion Abrams and Chad Parisman, I mean, I'm a podcaster, mm-hmm. and I saw a few things in there where I was slapping my head going, Douglas, <sighs> What are you doing? This is a short chapter on the most important things about podcasting. You ought to do a couple of these things, you know. Mm -hmm. But let's just go one more here. Why is email marketing the cockroach of marketing channels, Mark?
0: (laughs) That's another way. Uh, That Robbie Fitzwater. (laughs) That Robbie Fitzwater. What are you going to do with him? (laughs) Um, You know, I love it because uh it you know it's it's like the, the cockroach survives everything right I mean, it won't die yes. yeah you know no matter what happens with the metaverse and and AI you're still gonna have e- email marketing it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 never gonna die and uh Robbie was also at my at the uprising retreat and he said something that was one of the best quotes when it came to this like this idea of of the cockroach of marketing he he said you know you you're not going to be able to outscale Walmart or Amazon but you can outhuman them yes and he used email in that way that today and and it's a little bit maybe ai integration but we have the ability to not just create personalization, we have the ability to really, truly be personal. Mm-hmm. And, and and we shouldn't confuse that because a lot of people think if they just slap someone's name at the beginning of an email, that's that's personal. It's not. That's personalization. And the irony is personalization has become impersonal because we can detect it and delete it right away but really being smart with, with your email strategy and really trying to be the most human company. We can do that today. We can really connect in a personal way at scale by implementing, implementing some of these tools. And, and that's Robbie's philosophy. That's my philosophy. And I'm committed to do a better job at that.
1: You may never outscale the giants in your space, but you can out-human them. Ugh. Yep. Just jumped right off the page at me. So, Mark, if readers took
0: only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I think this is a book of hope. Yeah, there's We we can feel overwhelmed in the world. There's I mean, the field of marketing is changing so fast. But ultimately, I think... This is a book of hope because it just gets down to here are practical things in many cases very easy things that we can use to be effective today you know right now uh, the, I think people are going to wear out their highlighters with this book yes. or, or or you know uh, if, if sticky notes you know buy a new pad because yes. you've got a lot of sticky notes that you're going to use. You're, you're going to use in this book. This
1: book is like super concentrate.
0: Yeah, and I, I predict that, that a lot of people are going to have the same reaction that that you did. That look, you probably turned to the chapter on podcasting first because that's most relevant to you right now. And here you are. You've got one of the you know you're in the top one percent. Actually, I think you're in the top half percent of podcasts on iTunes. Yes. And and look, you've got this track record, and yet you found something practical. You found something inspirational in that chapter, and I think this is a book of hope because it's gonna, um, it's there's gonna be inspiration for everybody in this book.
1: Oh, well said, well said. Well, Mark, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend, or looking forward to reading?
0: You know, there there are a couple that I love. one is um, Andy Crestadina's uh, content chemistry book.
1: Oh, yes.
0: You know, I, 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 I love Andy as, as a human, and, and, I, and, I, and all the reasons I love him as a human come through in this book. He has this sort of gentle authority about him. And that comes through in in the content chemistry book. Um, I think um, he, he he came out with a new edition, the sixth edition, last year, and they keep getting better and better. It's practical, it's understandable, it's it's not overwhelming at all, and just which is just like Andy. So I love that book. I love um, using. Behavioral Science in Marketing by Nancy Harhut. Mm. Nancy is someone I've admired at least six or seven years. I first saw her speak at Marketing Profs. Um, Didn't know her at all. Had never heard of her before. And I saw her on the stage and immediately became a fan. So I was really excited to see uh... her come out with this book i believe this is her her first book using behavioral science and marketing Um, and this is a book that i guess it's a little bit like the most amazing marketing book is is that is just chock full of ideas there is something literally on every page that is an actionable idea a case study or inspiration so uh... she she did a an excellent job with that book
1: she really did those are two Excellent, excellent recommendations. I've interviewed them both on this show, and I can't believe that was Nancy's first book. And we talked about that during the interview. It was—it seemed like a book that somebody who would have written ten books would have written, yeah. but it was so good, so helpful. I hope it's not her last one. And Annie Crestadina's book—every listener that's bought that book and has it sitting on their desk now, because it really is a reference. Uh, it's a it chemistry is. book. the first half is the, is the lecture. the second half is the lab they They have all talked about how helpful that book is and one other thing about that book that 's based on like twenty years of research that they 've been doing there's no theory in there it's just, it's chemistry he, oh it's it's a wonderful wonderful well, book wonderful and he's a book. great guy yeah, yeah. well at Marketingbookpodcast.com. We're going to include links to everything linkable, including all the books mentioned, uh, your site, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter account. Listeners, please reach out to Mark and all the other authors who have contributed to this book and let them know you listen to this podcast and that you've got the book. And, uh, you know, congratulate so many of them on becoming first time authors. And, If you are listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, all these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on this episode's website link. The book is the most amazing marketing book ever. The authors are Mark Schaefer and 35 of his very smart friends. (laughs) Your Highness, thank you very much for joining us
0: on the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, thank you, Douglas. It's been a pleasure and an honor as always.
1: And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world, and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the entrepreneur, author, and motivational speaker Jim Rohn, who said, Formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune.